we all feel better. I'm Derek Ferguson. And I'm Tom DJ. And we're back here again with another episode of Better in the Dark. Let me tell you about these two dudes from Brooklyn. You won't view movies the same way again. Every two weeks you get something new and hate it or love it. They break it down for you. Tom DJ and Derek Ferguson been writing for years. Got respect from the peers. Watch these movies for our benefit. Go watch a Halloween looks on rather fit. So from Marvel at the movies to the Bond series. Almost two years they bout to hit 50. Episodes that is don't get it twisted. And from the start these two have been gifted. Tom loves Kristen and Derek loves Pam. Tom hates heroes and Derek can't stand. We make some movies that don't need to made. Watch out studios, it won't be played. So give it up for T and give it up for D. Coolest guys from Brooklyn inside of Jay-Z. My name's B. Hyper and it's time to start. Cause we all feel better, better, better in the dark. control the horizontal yet again we control the vertical we control your ears in fact i'm reaching out and grabbing your ear right now we're gonna control it for the next hour because my friend tom dj and i are going to talk about tv shows yep and this is derek ferguson and, and my left thomas dj and this is of course the show the one the only the better in the dark we're not going to be talking about movies Mm-hmm. What we're going to be talking about is TV shows. More importantly, TV shows that Tom and I have been talking about recently. We got this vibe that's going on. Right. Where we were talking about these shows with these hyper-intelligent characters. characters. Yeah. Which I think has grown out of two streams, if you will. On one side, you've got the CSI stream. In fact, one of the shows we're about to talk about is produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. Right. Who originated the CSI franchise. Mm-hmm. And the other stream comes around, what is what I know is my favorite show on television right now, and one of your favorite shows, House. You know why I like House so much? I like House so much because my wife likes House, and she says, you're just like him. <laughs> oh. So you're either House or you're Denny Crane. She says I'm Denny Crane also. Yeah. My wife, she got hooked on to Boston League. Right. And she says, you're a lot like him. <laughs> I said, what? And she says, Tom is a lot like Alan Shore. I have no objection to being compared to she James Spader at she all. She says, I'm surprised you guys aren't on the back porch, you know, <laughs> you know drinking booze and smoking cigars. In this episode, we're going to talk about these TV shows that have these hyper-intelligent right. characters. This season, is a number of really interesting things have been going on. Well, this, like I said, something that's been going on for the last couple of years. Right. This elevation of the intelligent character has a viable option as, as the star of a show. And on top of that, two of these shows we're about to talk about were originally English television shows that have right. been adapted for American audiences. But I think what we can really start out with, it really started out with Gil Grissom in yeah. CSI. In CSI. He was the first of the hyper-intelligent right. characters. Now, this guy 
was so brilliant. He could walk into a room. He was a living encyclopedia. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because no matter what you said, he was such of a genius. He was like Sherlock Holmes, right. which is, I guess, the basic the, prototype the, the for first, all of these characters. I mean, one of the anyway. things that's great about Sherlock Holmes is he wasn't maybe basically the most likable person in the world, but he was no. an admirable person. Well, uh, that's one of the things I think that's the key to House, getting back to House for a moment, is that Gregory House is a detestable human being. Yeah. But if I had something wrong with me, yeah, medically, I'd want, him. I'd want House. It's something that the imitators of House have failed to guess is that you have to have the assholery to make the show run. Now, CBS tried to copy House almost shot for shot with the show with James Woods, Shark. They tried to do House with Shark. You know, it didn't work. Here's the unlikable person with the team around him that does all the investigating. and Also, uh, Monk. Well, Monk was that kind of turn on his head to be used as a comedy. So Although Monk, I think Monk predates all this. Monk was the guy that predated everybody that he was this hyper-intelligent right. character, but he had the, the funny... AC, the OCD. Right, the ACD that was working for him. And then they tried to do it again with Sight, which I really Which don't led like. almost directly into The Mentalist, right. another show we're going to get to Right, today. which I don't like mm-hmm. Sight because... It tries to be too funny. I like Monk, and right. of course, I like House. The producers allow him to be the miserable bastard he's supposed and to be. And the relationships are yeah. so wonderful. Him and Wilson are married. They are a married yep. couple. But it's just that they don't have sex. <laughs> As me and you have talked about, the relationship he has with Cuddy, man, that's the hottest woman <laughs> on the TV. I love And the Cuddy. other thing I think is great about the show is that the producers have the courage when they change the status quo to continue with that status quo. It's not like, for example, one of the, a few other shows that I watched that I was on last season was Chuck. In the season opener, they gave this whole thing about, we're changing the whole status quo, and we're going to do this, this, and this. And then at the end of the episode, they had made it so that the status quo was exactly the same from last season. But House is a bastard, yeah. and they allow him to, to still be a bastard. Be a yeah. bastard. Like faking his own rehabilitation. The guy is no good, but however, if you have a medical condition... This is the guy you want. The one thing that's admirable about him is that he is driven by the need to know. Yeah. He can't stand a mystery that he can't solve. And I love that about him. One of the funniest things, before we go into the thing, my wife Patricia, she says, he's British. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I said, this guy was on Blackadder 20 years ago. I know this guy. She said, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> I never watched Blackadder, so I didn't know yes. he was British until I saw him promoting yes. The Flight of the Phoenix, which came out about the same time as the first season. Thank you. Laurie is the man. He's a British actor, and he was on Blackadder 20 years ago. Patricia can't stand him now because she says, well, he fooled me. I said, yeah. well, <laughs> he also plays a doctor. If there's one thing that I think is a flaw right now, this is its fifth season. I like most of the new team that they've had for now for, it's going on a year and a half. Because you like Tall. Yeah, I like Tall. Yeah, yeah. I like the character that Cal Penn is playing. I think Cal Penn, I'm sure, gets I, down out of no his some, bed for, and thanks the Lord that he's playing a serious role for a change. You know something? I like Tall, but I don't like what House is doing to him. Yeah. I think that shit is pretty fucked mm-hmm. up. He's 
basically wrecking a marriage. Yeah, and nothing yeah. It's messed up what House is doing to him. Really, but is. I think that if there is a flaw. I think to the character that for some reason we can never remember her name. We just refer to her as Thirteen. And there's no reason for Thirteen to be there. Thirteen well, is well, a void. Well, she has a name. Remember? When yeah, you I know because they, yeah. they mentioned one episode. But yeah, just, I don't like Thirteen. Well, as you know, I like characters that was the CIA and uh, and I like Amber much better. I like Amber much better because of the fact that it was brought up in one episode that she's basically House Wilson. Right. If you got her, well, you're basically dating House. house. You have a sex with her. And she says, oh, House uh, Wilson goes, oh my God. Yeah, you're right. That's why I like Amber. I felt she was a much better character. Right. The old guy that they discovered hadn't really practiced medicine was just a guy who had worked around the hospital. I I I loved him. I liked him too. But actually, Hal said, I can't use you because you just give me back the same ideas that I got. And he was cool with that. Right. There's a lot of good characters on House that we haven't seen and I would have liked to see more of. I would have liked to see the old guy. Mm -hmm. I would have liked to see more of Amber. I would right. like to see more. Well, we got to see more of Amber until she died. Uh, we, got, we got a whole season of her. Did you see the one where they had where Wilson had to take him to his father's funeral? Yes. That was a very good episode. Mm-hmm. Because it cemented so much of the relationship. It explains a lot. It really explained a lot about the relationship between the two of them. About his background, about what yeah. made him what he was. Yeah. That was something that was a long time coming. Yeah, I mean, I like that because it said a lot about Wilson, that he was willing to come and do that for him. It tells you because we never found out how did they first meet. Right, <laughs> you know, now we then, know. You know, I was like, wow. <laughs> House is one of my favorite shows. I think there's only three shows that I watch that have been on before this season. House, the aforementioned Chuck, and I watch Boston Legal only because I want to see it go to its grave. I usually DVR a lot of shows, but House is one show that I watch when it comes on. I guess we should, we should get start on talking. To what yeah. we should be so getting So, which on one to. do we want to start with? Fringe. Let's start with Fringe because I think Fringe was actually the first one of these out of the gate. This was actually one of the biggest launches in a while. Fox put the advertisements everywhere. They even had advertising in movie theaters. It's J.J. Uh, Abrams. J.J. Abrams. And the thing that's, that I find so unique about this agreement they now have with J.J. Abrams is their willingness to go with limited commercial interruption. Yeah. On every episode. Every episode, when they have a commercial, it's 60 seconds. They said French will be back in 90 60, seconds. And 60 seconds or 90 minutes. Usually the average hour-long show is more like about 46 minutes long. But Fringe shall, is, is more like about 50... But shall we tell people what Fringe is actually okay, about? Okay, let's tell people what Fringe is actually about. Fringe, okay. About Fringe. 55 minutes now. No, no, no. <laughs> In the opening episode, we have an FBI agent played by... Anna Tove. She's in a relationship with one of your favorite actors, Mark, Mark Valley, who is also another FBI agent. Mm-hmm. And they are hunting down a guy who, what happens is that is an airplane... And the 
people died. They died. For, it was some sort of aerosol they determined, some sort right. of biological weapon. And the plane lands by itself. It's common use in, in all airports where if something happens to the pilot, if it's close enough to the airport, the it'll... The plane will land by itself. Mm-hmm. So the plane lands. They go on in and they say, oh my God, everybody's dead. Dead pretty horribly because if I remember correctly, like, their internal organs kind of melted. But however, one guy is on the plane is dead, but it appears he's alive. Mm-hmm. Also, Mark Valley and the other right. woman that you're talking about, they chase him down. Olivia is the character's Olivia's name. Olivia is the character. And they chase him down. And what happens is that he has a storage facility. Right, out in Worcester, Massachusetts. One of the things, and thankfully they're weaning off of it finally. That was one of the things that I hated in the first couple of episodes. Was the way that they would put these big block letters in the middle of the shot. That were hanging there. So they would actually interact with the people for a second. But you hated that. Thankfully, they. I thought it was kind of cute because they would drive through the letters right. and then they would turn around and would look and the letters would still, still be there. there. Yeah. However, what happens is that. There's an explosion. The guy triggers the. Mark Valley gets killed because the guy has got a storage facility, so he gets killed. Olivia tracks down. You know, she goes through the background and everything like right. that. And she finds out that there's this mad scientist. Dr. Bishop. He's been institutionalized for many, many years. He's a nut. Now, the only way that she can get a hold of him is that she gets his son, mm-hmm. who is also a genius himself. Right. He's like something of a con man. But he's like Indiana Jones in a way because he runs around the world doing all these funny kind of stuff. We're really not kind of sure if he's a spy or if he's an adventurer, but he just does all these different things. The only way that she can get a hold of the father is to get the son to go into the mental institution Mm -hmm. and talk to him. Right, because that's the only way that they would release Dr. Bishop is if uh, his son authorized it. In the meantime, she meets this guy, Lance Reddick. Now, she meets up with him. And he tells her, there's something going on. There's somebody using the world as their experiment. Mm -hmm. And he introduces the opposition of the show. Something called The Pattern. The Pattern. He said, we got to figure it out. And I want you to work for me. So she says, well, I need the mad scientist to work with me. Uh (laughs) And I need his son. So they form a team. Now, they've got this team where what they're doing is that figuring out all these mysteries that are happening. Right. The mad scientist, the sun, and FBI. And in yeah. fact, they open up his old laboratory in Harvard. Which is one of the coolest things. One of the, the funniest things in the first episode is he says, I'd like to have a cow, please. Yeah. And sure enough, they get him a cow, they which get him a is cow. still there as of week five. Because you know why he says He says it because the cow has the most similar... Yes. Biological to a human, human being. being. When I need to do my research, this is what I need. I need so a cow. So he's got, he's got his old lab. They assign him an assistant. Who's another FBI agent? Uh, Astrid like Farnsworth, her. played by uh, Jessica Nicole. Yeah. Meanwhile, also, Olivia is noticing some connections between this pattern and a company called Massive Dynamics, the spokesperson of which she encounters several is times. Blair Brown. Blair Brown, a name that was pretty big in TV about. 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I will argue that this show is not the X-Files. But if this show was the X-Files, she would be Cancer Man. In that she's kind of giving some information, she's kind of not. She's sort of playing it mm-hmm. her own game. And on top of that, during the course of this investigation, Olivia discovers that her boyfriend, John Scott, 
the Mark Valley character, is working for the pattern. And he dies. However, he doesn't seem to be much very dead, does he? No, he doesn't. I like Fringe. I like mm-hmm. Fringe a lot because it's not the X-Files. You and I know, I know you based in X-Files. Well, I would contend that this is not the X-Files. No, it's not. I would contend that this bears more resemblance to a long-forgotten show that was on UPN called The Burning Zone. Yes, which me and you have talked about before. Mm-hmm. One of our favorites right. TV shows. And it's a lot more like The Burning Zone. I really, really, really like The Fringe. I love the mad scientist character. Well, that's the one thing I love about Because he's it. a mad what would scientist. It's like, what would happen if Flash Gordon was Dr. Zarkov? Yeah! And well, I, this is who it is. This is Dr. Zarkov. And John Noble, who plays Dr. Bishop, is wonderful. Where you get things like, they take him to a site and he goes, I'd like a root beer float. Can I have a root beer float? Yeah. Or there's a scene in the most recent episode where they take him to a diner where there's been some sort of biological weapon detonated. It's like, we're here to give you whatever you need. Can I have one of those white suits? What? I like the episode where they were talking about the guy that had the electromagnetic field. Yeah. And he's standing there and he's shuffling back and forth. And yeah, oh, and shocking his And you don't know what he's doing. And then he reaches out to his son and he said, pow! He says, wool socks, electromagnetic field. He yeah. said, this is what this guy could do. Mm-hmm. Now, if I could just do that with just shuffling back what do you think he could do? And I said, this guy knows what he's talking right. about. I love Fringe. Well, I'm still watching it. Yeah. I was a bit iffy about it when I saw the pilot, but I am still watching it. But, again, going back to the theme what we're talking about, this is a hyper-intelligent right. character. Because the breakout that, character is not the... Uh, you not know, Joshua you Jackson. It's or not Anatole. And one of the things also I, I gotta admit I like about Anatole in her role Mm. As much as the same way as when we get to the 11th hour, we're going to talk about Marley Shelton. They cast someone who looks like an FBI agent. Yeah, Not yeah, right. Hyper yeah. hot. and She looks like an FBI she agent. She looks yeah. like a person you would see on the street. Exactly. Not some supermodel. Exactly. You got this hyper-intelligent character in the form of the mad scientist mm-hmm. who has been incarcerated. Because he was locked up for 20 years yep. because he was so fucking brilliant. They said, we can't let him And it's interesting how free. so many of these cases they're coming up with have some sort of connection, no matter how tenuous, with his research back in the 60s. That's why the series is called Fringe, because right. he was a specialist in fringe science. science. We're talking about nanotechnology. We're talking about... Uh, ESP, ESP, yeah. astral projection. Matter of fact, that's what he does with the FBI agent. Right, in the first episode. Astral projection. He puts her in the tank and says, well, you know what, I'm going to hook you up so you can talk to the dead body of your boyfriend. Right. One thing that worries me is that as much as we contend that this is not X-Files light, which is what we all feared it's going to be, that they're trying too hard to put elements in that would make it more X-Files. You can look at all these characters I've got wrote up on the Wonder Box here. Lance Reddick is basically Skinner. Yeah. yeah. And Philip Broyles, that's the name of the character. No, but you know what I like about him? That cat is hardcore. Yeah. He tells her right up front, I need you to do this. These people are trying to do shit, and we got to find out what right. it is. He's really a very hardcore character. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's Skinner at all. I yeah, really okay. don't. But you would agree with my assessment that a Blair Brown character is Cancer Man. Yes, I would. If she's the Cancer Man, then I'm getting the impression that they're setting up John Scott because John Scott has been showing up. They're kind of playing with the idea about whether she's actually alive or if he's some figment of 
Olivia's oh, imagination. imagination. They're sending John Scott up to be either Deep Throat or... Project. Oh, yeah! And they okay. introduced... Okay, now I see what you're talking about. two yeah. episodes ago, yeah, the episode involving that weird projectile that... D- that yeah. burned the man, <laughs> The hairless man. I looked at the hairless man and I thought, oh my god, there's our bounty hunter. Yeah, because you got the guy that nobody knows who he is. And he was sitting in and he was taking pictures. The yeah. Observer, he's called. I would say... That after seeing only three episodes of this, I like Fringe much more than the X-Files. Keep in mind, it's still early. One of the reasons I think the X-Files... I like Fringe. I like the team. I like the FBI agent. I like the son who's Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. And I love the mad side. Oh, yeah, no. I think you and I are both in agreement that Dr. Bishop, that Walter, is the breakout character. I love the mad scientist. He's a character that I like because you think he's mad. This is going to freak you out. Know who I place him with, who I think that he's a lot like? In The Simpsons, the son of the cop, Ralph. You know how Ralph, yeah. every once in a while, he'll come up with something brilliant. That's what We're I not see. Learning English, that uh, incredible. <laughs> <laughs> the most brilliant thing he ever said. Be fell English, that incredible. <laughs> but he's a lot like that. But anyway, folks, me and Tom, we can't agree. We that agree. We yeah. So far. So far, we can't agree that we love... Although, the thing that you want to point out, the point I was going to make about the X-Files, is that remember, when the X-Files first came out, the first two or three seasons, I was like, gung-ho, yay, this is a great show. And then it got sucky. And I think I should mention that Tom, and I don't know why he hasn't done it yet, wrote the episode guy. Why he doesn't publish it? Magazine. For Fangoria Magazine. Because it's owned by Fangoria Magazine. That's why. Pretty much. And he should publish it as a book because I've read some of it and it's wonderful stuff. Tom, when it comes to X-Files, he knows what he's talking about. So where are we going from here? Because the next two things I think we want to talk about both premiered in the same night. You want to talk about 11th Hour? 11th Hour, oh yeah. Oh. So let's go ahead and do that. I actually had a great privilege in that I got to see the base show and the new show, the pilots, separate by a day. Now, I actually saw 11th Hour in the original version of right. BBC America starring Patrick Stewart, which Tom hadn't seen. Which I told him, I said... Man, you gotta see this. This shit is good. Hey, <laughs> Tom, I believe you saw the American version first. And then, and then the, the following other. day, because I had it on my Netflix, it came. Right. Just serendipitously, I got to watch the pilot the next day. So let's oh. give him the basic premise of the show. You gotta give him the basic premise, and then I want you to talk about the American version and the British version. Okay. The Love Tower is about... In the British version, he's called Dr. Ian Hood. In right. the American version, he's called Dr. Jacob Hood. And he is another one of these hyper-intelligent he's characters. He's a physicist by trade. He was he signed in the British version by the Home Office. But in the American version, he works for the FBI. Has a consultant who deals specifically in crimes against science. When something too bizarre comes up, they, they call him They in. call him. The other major character in the show is a bodyguard, Rachel, who is played in the British version by Ashley Jensen and in the American version by Marley Shelton, who you may remember. And she is so good that she was actually on the presidential Mm -hmm. bodyguard assignment. So they assigned her to Hood. Because apparently he's so used to speaking his mind that he's angered so many people that he needs a Mm full-time minder. By the way, this show was... Created by a noted horror writer by the name of Stephen Gallagher. In the British version, I've only seen two episodes because the second disc in the set 
came out really damaged, so I couldn't see the other two episodes. Mm-hmm. In the pilot of the first British show, he goes and investigates this weird burial of these various fetuses that he discovers are identical. He says somebody's been trying to perfect human cloning. Right. As you've remarked, the first episode in the American series is very, very close. Extremely close, which it's surprised a, me. It's a shot-for-shot shot remake, Tom. Well, I mean, you've seen it. They're I very was surprised. Close. There were, so, because remember, I saw the American version first. There were certain moments. And we should mention the American version stars our man, Rufus Sewell. Yeah. Rufus Sewell, who was in one of our favorite yes, movies, Dark City. There was like this one scene in what I learned out later was both pilots, but when I first saw it in the American version, I thought it was add to the American version so they could have Marley Shelton running around in her underwear with a rope. But that was in but the British version. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, ran outside and she had to Yeah, rope. And the, the thing that I loved about these two characters is that, no doubt about it, Rachel is the hard ass. Yeah. Rachel is here to keep him focused and to keep his ass from getting killed. Because if she's not there, he will get himself killed. There's the scene with the, where he almost gets run over by the car, and Jensen screams at him. But like a, a mother would scream to a little boy. And that's in the British version, yeah. too. Patrick Stewart does the yeah. same thing. She said, well, what are you doing? Well, it's much harsher in the English version. One of the things that I do miss about the English version as opposed to the American version is I like the contrast between Patrick Stewart's more formal voice. Ashley Jensen has a very, very, very thick Scottish accent. The one thing that I like about both of them yeah. is that, and I know we have these female, yeah, no, Every time you have a male and female lead in an action show. You female listeners to this are going to hate me for this. Oh, yeah, well, you know, if they stay together long enough, it's going to be a romantic thing. No, it's not. She says, I'm here to protect you. Because she has a scene where she talks to the guy from Buffy. Mark Blucas. Yeah, right, Mark Blucas. Who actually, I'm glad to see he's got more work. You know what I find funny is that one of the few omissions they made in the American pilot that surprised me was in the revelation in the English version that Rachel had slept with the Mark right, Blucas analog. Yeah. And, and the, they cut that out entirely. In the British version, yeah, she yeah. did. That's why I told right. you to watch the British version that you're going to be kind of surprised. Mm-hmm. But she talks to him and says, well, I have to keep him focused because he tends to wander a right. little bit, which is another thing, which is the theme of this show. Right. show. We've got these hyper-intelligent characters who have partners or sidekicks that keep them That's focused right. on what they're supposed to be doing. She's not only his bodyguard, but she's supposed to, listen, figure this shit out. Mm-hmm. I watched 11th Hour, the bridge version, mm-hmm. which, I which I've seen two episodes of, with Patrick Stewart. And I love the Although American it's, it's, version. The, the second episode was about a mysterious outbreak of heart attacks in children in a. But that's another British episode. That is a too. British episode because I don't yeah, know which one's a British, British episode. Yeah. The third one is about uh, some mysterious paralysis, which is what I really like. It seems to me like what they're doing is that they're actually adapting yeah. the British episode. Why Pre- fuck with a good thing? Thank you. My man. I mean, I, there are some changes. That's why yeah. I like 11th Hour. Right. Because I've seen the British right. version, and it seems to me like what they're doing is that they're adapting mm-hmm. the British episodes. There are some changes. Like, for example, Dr. Hood changes as a character a little bit in that Patrick Stewart interpretation of the character. He's very forceful. He's very much a man who, who steps forward. He's very in your face, whereas Rufus Sewell, 
I almost thought he was doing like an imitation of Christopher Walken at first, and that he's just kind of a little weird. This is what we're talking yeah. about. It's this thing now, and me and you have talked about this, folks. Me and mm-hmm. Tom, we talk on the phone all the time. And this is where this episode came out of. We've got these hyper-intelligent characters like House, like Mom, like Dr. Bishop, like Dr. Dr. Hood, Dr. like Dr. on TV now. This is what we've got that are kind of eccentric and right. a little bit, you know. I gotta give them credit for signing to go with Marley Shelton to play the American Rachel. The thing that I liked about Ashley Jensen, like I said, is that there was no doubt that she was a hard ass. I think it would have been nice if they cast an actress who had a different accent or something mm. to kind of reflect that, because that's one of the things that I always liked about those two episodes I saw was that the nice interplay mm-hmm. between this very high-class person with this very high-class accent and this woman who's just very, very down-to-earth. But they cast someone who is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Marley Shelton is a beautiful woman. But she's got those eyes that just look like, just do not fuck with me. In fact, they do the same scene. This is the scene where she's working down in the hotel lobby in the pilot. It's the same scene in both versions. The guy tries to pick her up. He's like, oh, I wonder if I could buy you. Like, and she goes, I'm filling out paperwork because I had to shoot a man today. I had to shoot a man today. He said, well, why did you have to shoot a man today? Because he annoyed me. <laughs> yeah. Right. And he looks at her and he says, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> but both the British version and the American versions, mm-hmm. you and I both know that we're both, we watch a lot of TVs right. with the British and American versions. This is very authentic. I give Jerry Bruckheimer because he produces. I'm pleasant. I give him props. I'm a little worried after seeing the next, because you haven't seen the next two episodes. The next two no, episodes, they do seem to be softening Rachel a bit. She seems to be just being a little more low-key, and I'm a little worried that they're going to try to go that route. But I give Jerry Brookhart yeah. a prop. Like you said earlier, why fuck with a good thing? The first episode is a scene-for-scene shot remake of that. The I one mean. thing I do not want to see, and that was something that worried me when they decided to cast Rufus Sewell, was that they were going to try to pull some sort of romantic tension. There's like a scene in the most recent episode where he's talking about cancer treatments, and he mentioned there's like a brain cancer treatment, and, and you can just, she just softens up a bit, and she goes, oh, that was just your wife you were talking about, I'm sorry. I'm like, well, oh, yeah, please, well, don't go that way, don't well, go that way. Well, yeah, well, they do got the thing where yeah. he mentions that his wife had died. Right, he mentions it in the first episode. Which also is a trait of a character in the next show we're going to talk about, which is The Mentalist. The Mentalist, which I've not seen, but you have. I've seen The Mentalist. I don't mm-hmm. like it because... It's a lot like Psych. Yeah, well, keep in mind that this is, yet again, another attempt, because CBS really loves Simon Baker. They did that with The, the Guardian. They uh, seem to just want to shove him down our throat until we take him. The main character on The Mentalist is a guy, he previously was a fake spiritualist. Right. What happened was that he got the serial killer pissed off at mm-hmm. and the serial killer killed his wife and his daughter. So now he uses talents. Actually, what he can do, he's very observant. He can look at you and he can tell. I look at the tattoos and I look at that. And he's hyper intelligent in that sense. So it's basically Psych meets the profiler? Yeah, that's what it is. I'm kind of on the fence about this show because Mm -hmm. Simon Baker, I like him. Right. Well, he was very good in uh, Land of the Dead. He has a great scene in one episode where a character, they have a sheriff. And the sheriff wants to play him rock, right. paper, scissors. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, I can beat you every time. And the sheriff says, 
Well, no, you can't. And he does. Because he can look at his body language and just tell what he's going to throw out before right. he throws it out. It's a great scene. He's paired up with an FBI agent. Of course. <laughs> a female FBI agent. Now, this one, it's very obverse from what I understand that there is a sexual tension. Yes, there is. Yeah, you could tell that there's something going on between them. I watch it, but it's not something that I would actually recommend mm-hmm. to anybody unless... You like stuff like CSI because this guy's a one-man CSI. Now, I gotta wonder how close they're following. Does this mean that this serial killer is popping up again? The mentalist, every night he goes home to Mm -hmm. his house and he sleeps his house to serial killer. He paints a red circle with a face. He paints it on everybody that he kills. Supposedly the reason they said, well, I'm gonna stop faking it, I'm gonna do it for real, is that he wants to catch a serial killer. Uh, so basically, it is profiling. Yeah. If you've seen profiling, I know you like profiling. And I love yeah, profiling. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, to be fair, though, part of the main reason why I love profiler was for Ali Walker. Right. So if you've seen profiling, this you've seen. My main problem with it is that, again, we have this hyper-intelligent character. I've already got house. I've mm-hmm. already got friend why do I need the mentalist? There's no really no reason for me to have this show. It's not a bad show. It's not an interesting show, but there's no reason for me to watch. Right. It. We've got two left we want to talk about. One, one of which I've seen, okay, but you haven't seen, which is uh, My Worst Enemy, and uh, of course Life on Mars. Yeah, right. well, Life on Mars, well, I've seen the British version. I haven't okay. seen the you American version. the American version yet. Okay, I I've haven't seen, seen the American version. I've seen the first two episodes so far. Now, I don't know how much the scans, because you told me like, already like, there's one character who didn't exist in the British version. So do you want to tell them what the British version... The British version of Life on Mars. Here's what we got. It's a cop. The cop gets hit by Sam a car. Sam Tyler. He gets hit by a car. Bam. When he gets hit by a car, he wakes up and is... 1973. 1973. 25 years earlier. 1973, he wakes up. Why is the series called Life on Mars? The whole theory is that if you take a person from today, 2008... Mm-hmm. You put them back in 1973, it'd be like they were living on Mars because it was so completely different. Tom and I remember the 70s. They're right. (laughs) In the story proper, it's the song that he's listening to. The David Bowie song. The David Bowie. Apparently, even though he's time traveled back then... He's still the same guy. Right. And everybody remembers him. Everybody says, oh, Mm -hmm. yo, you've been working here all the time. So now he's got to deal with not only the social mores of what's going on, but he's got to deal with how cops dealt with things Mm -hmm. back in the 70s. So he's a real pizzle, this guy. Yeah. And every once in a while he gets these messages, so to speak, which makes him wonder if he's not in a coma. One of the things about the series is that you're never sure if he's actually in a coma because he keeps hearing things from doctors. So he may just be in a coma. He may not have actually time traveled back to the 70s. But then again, he keeps seeing things on TV right. that makes him think that, yeah, you have actually time traveled. It's a brilliant series if you see the British version. Right. I haven't seen the American version yet. Okay, now the first time has. Let me but, ask you this. In the British version... How does he get into the car accident? He's working on a case. It's a serial killer that him and his partner are trying to find. He walks out and 
he accidentally gets hit. It's not deliberate. In the American version, his partner is also his girlfriend, played by Lisa Bonet. That doesn't happen in the British version. And she is abducted, and he's running around looking for her, and that's when he gets hit. The thing that worries me the most about this so far, I've only seen two episodes, is that it is executive produced by David E. Kelly, who also produced, among other things, The Practice and Boston Legal. The problem with David E. Kelly is David E. Kelly's shows always start off very strong, and then somewhere along the line, he gets bored. Yeah. And when he gets bored, out come the circus shows. Out comes the freaky characters and the stupid cases, and the show starts losing its touch with reality, because they usually start being very realistic. And then it just starts losing their touches with reality until it just becomes a farce. You and I are both following this last season of Boston Legal. I can't stand it, because it is just all joke, joke, joke. Oh, look, then he shot another guy. Oh, look, these guys are dressed up as penguins. It's all about goofy bullshit. And this is thing that worries me, especially since apparently ratings are not very good so far. What I could tell, the story is fairly similar. They had a really good episode where Alan Shaw, his girlfriend, came back. And, oh, the Ali Walker character? And the husband was accused of yeah, murdering somebody. Yeah, that's the Ali Walker character. Denny was really good in that one. Denny was played straight. If they played Denny like that all the time, yeah. he'd be a better character because... Then he told him, you should not take this case. He told Alan, it's going to screw you. It's going to screw you over. I'll be second chair. But he did take it. And he was really a very honest character. You look at in Boston Legal, even before that, you look at that last season of The Pratt, where they first introduced the Denny Crane character. Right. They first introduced Crane, Poole, and Smith. Denny Crane is such a different character. You're watching the, the first... Well, I was telling you that I'm watching the first season with the Mark Valley character. Yeah. And it's like, I'm with watching With Mark Valley and Monica Potter. It's and... like I'm watching some from an alternate universe. Yeah. Because the Denny Crane character is so different from how I'm seeing him in the later episodes. He's played as a human being. Right. He really is. And Martin Valley, they had one terrific episode where Martin Valley was telling them, you know why they brought me in? They said they brought me in to control you. Right. Denny is sitting there listening to him. He said, Denny, he said, you're a great lawyer. I like you, but I'm here to control you. Right. And William Shatner, he plays it straight. But then you look at <laughs> the one from the later years, yeah. and you say, oh my God, what is Yeah, where he's running around in flip-flops, and... Man, what they do to the Denny and Crane. The other, the other thing about David E. Kelly... The only scenes that I like now with Denny Crane is when they're sitting on the balcony at the end, and they're having a drink. He's talking to Alan like a human being, and I like those And things. getting back to Life on Mars, there are two characters you can see are going to go freak job. See, that's why I don't want to watch this version of Life on Mars, because I don't want to be disappointed. played in the American version by Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel. And you can see now that the seeds are there for the second when David and Michael Impresario from The Sopranos. That's the other character. He's in this too. Because he's got like this big wild haircut with the mutton chops. With with the mutton and and the big mustache. You just see that these two are the ones that are going to become the wackadoos. The second David E. Kelly gets bored with this. I have it on my DVR, but I know you said, yeah, but Terry, you're going to watch. I don't want to watch. I don't want to be disappointed. Right. It's David E. Kelly. Folks, the last David E. Kelly show that I watched was uh, The Wedding you know, Planners. The Wedding Planners. Yeah. I love The Wedding Planners. They canceled that after five episodes. And I could see this going the same well, on way. On the positive, I think that John O'Mara, who plays Sam Tyler in this version, okay. they had problems with this because apparently they stopped production 
during the summer and recast the entire yeah, show. They recast everything. Save for Jason right, Romero. Because Life on Mars was that difficult a concept yeah. for them to say. I you know. do admit that I think that Sam and the policewoman on the show. I don't know how their relationship... No, well, the policewoman, the one in the British version, mm-hmm. she's a traffic cop. And right. she's the one that becomes the love interest of okay. the cop. The Lisa Bonet character is Doesn't some, exist. Yeah, something that they well, just there's, there's a definite chemistry between O'Mara and Gretchen Mall, who plays, as, as they call... But then again, this is typical of, of David E. Kelly. No they call her No Nuts. If you have... BBC America, if you get it on whatever. I tried to find the British version on Netflix. They don't have it. Get the British version of 11th Hour and Life on Mars and watch those. That's what I would Although recommend. 11th Hour, I think you and I are in agreement, the American version of 11th Hour is still very watchable. Yes, it is. However, if you're a Patrick Stewart fan, I would definitely recommend that. There are enough differences in the performances and such that it would be interesting for you to watch the British version as well. Mm. And then finally, well, there were two other shows that I sampled. One was a sitcom called Gary Unmarried, which I realized what it is about sitcoms I can't stand, which is that people do not talk in sitcoms like they do in real life in any way, shape, or form. And as much as I like Jay Moore, and as much as I adore Paul Marshall, who has unfairly been given... Paul Marshall's in this one? Why didn't you tell me? I thought you knew. You son of a bitch. (laughs) No, Paul, I love Paul Marshall. I adore her, yeah. I didn't know she was a, Jay Moore. I knew he was in, yeah, you know, Jay and Mary, but I didn't know Paul Marshall. It's Jay Moore, Paul Marshall, and Jane King. Well, Jay Moore was in one of our favorite series, Action, Action with one of but our favorite actresses, Ileana Douglas. Ileana Douglas. Well, he's basically neutered in this show, and it's like I said, it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's a typical sitcom where. Everybody talks in an unnatural way. It's either exposition or, or, or jokes. The other show that I sampled was called My Worst Enemy. Okay. Which I have to admit, I watched primarily because I had heard this thing was going to be such a train wreck. I was curious to see just how bad it was. The good news is it's not a train wreck. The bad news is it's not really all that distinctive. That's why I didn't even start watching it. When I learned the the names of... Yeah, Henry and Edward. Jekyll and Hyde. That's what I said. You know what? I'm not going to watch it. Although, I gotta admit that they've got some other, like, nice... Which, I've actually heard, it is an unofficial remake of a British TV series. I did not know that. And it's nice to see Alfred Woodard and Madsen Abchick get work again, but mm. surely they could get better than this. I think NBC was gambling very strongly on the idea of, hey, look, it's Christian Slater in his own TV show, carrying that concept. What? Even though this is not a movie-based episode... I'm going to recommend a movie you guys watch. If you like Christian Slater, rent Cuffs. Have you ever seen Cuffs? You see this face? Yeah. I'm worried about you now, man. You don't like Cuffs? No. Oh, man. Cuffs is a good movie. I like like Christian Slater back when he was... It was Christian Slater and Mila Jovovich. He was the next Jack Nicholson. Yeah, back before Mila Jovovich found her niche in life as the, the action queen. Fifth Element. That's another one I'm not too fond of, you know that. You don't like the Fifth Element? I thought it was dull as dishwater. Oh, man. I don't even know you. I love him anyway, folks. This is my boy. Yeah. And that's why I love him, because he's got different opinions from me. Oh, man. So, you didn't like the Fifth I Element. I didn't like the Fifth Element. We have to do an episode where we talk about movies that we don't right. like. Okay. That you like, that I don't like, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. The, and, we can, and we'll argue about that. We got some other stuff coming out on the 
TV series. I think the thing that you and I are the most intrigued by is, of course, Dollhouse. Dollhouse. For this episode, I think we can recommend... Well, I for think, it, yeah. This is more like, hey, these are good things to watch. Although I'm iffy on Life on Mars because I know that it's got the specter of David E. Kelly hanging over it. But we're going to recommend Fringe, though. Yeah, we're recommending Fringe. Okay. We're definitely recommending 11th Hour. If you haven't watched either by Fringe... Way, question. In the British version of Life on Mars... Did the Martian lander show up? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. It wasn't just something they put in. No, Although yeah, the yeah, CGI yeah. Is t- was terrible. Well, I haven't seen it yet. But Martian Land, yeah, it shows up. And oh, they had got the, in yeah. the, in the, the second Ooh. episode was about he's trying to crack a series of robberies at check cashing stores. Because I've got three episodes I've not seen the third on my episode, DVR yeah. and I haven't watched them. We definitely can recommend Life on Mars. If you have BBC America, if you have DirecTV or if you got whatever cable or satellite provider you have, if they have BBC America, they are really running Life on Mars mm-hmm. and 11th Hour because of the American right. version. So they're rerunning that. Both Tom and I recommend highly Fringe. We both like Fringe. And 11th Hour. House. Yeah, we House. recommend House. Even though it's been five years. Yeah, can't never recommend too much House yes. as far as I'm concerned. The mm, Mental Essay. No. I'm kind of on the fence about the mentalist. Watch it if you have nothing else to do. That's the best thing I can say about the mentalist. But everything else, Tom and I recommend highly. Okay. He's going to do the administrative stuff. If you have uh, fan mail, hate mail, if you want to tell us what you thought of us doing television stuff, maybe you might want to see us do more of it. Maybe you want to see us not do it ever again. There are several things you can do. You can write us an email at betterinthedark at gmail.com. That's better the letter N- the dark at gmail.com. You could leave a message on our Podomatic page, which is at betterinthedark.podomatic.com. You can join our Yahoo mailing list at movies.yahoo.com backslash groups backslash betterinthedark. Or you can do, join our brand new Honest to Gosh message board, which is at betterinthedark.proboards105.com. All of these things will get to us, and we do read everything. We do occasionally bring stuff on the air to talk about. Get to doing what you got to do. That's it. That's it. So. Okay, then. So, thank you very much for listening, and if you like it, let us know, and we'll do this again. He's Thomas DJ. And he's Derek Ferguson, and no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter what channel gets disappeared from your television <laughs> set because they're trying to test the, the new digital signal that isn't working, but they got to get it working before February, go, go see, see that, that TV show. show. Or movie, or whatever. (laughs) Good night! Good night. Thank you, God bless. You've been listening to Better in the Dark, featuring Thomas D.J. and Derek Ferguson. Special thanks go out to Keelan Conley, Paul French at Poptopia, Leonard Hayhurst and the 411 crew at the 411 Movie Zone podcast, and the members of the Better in the Dark Yahoo group at movies.group.yahoo.com backslash group backslash Better in the Dark. Better in the Dark actually remembers what it was like to live in the 70s, and would prefer not to be hit by a car and go back there. Thank you very much. Previous episodes for the show can be downloaded from betterinthedark.podomatic.com or bitd.lipson.com. Send all comments, praise, hate mail, and pipe bombs to betterinthedark at gmail.com. That's better, the letter N, the dark at gmail.com. Interact with the hosts and fans of this podcast at the Better in the Dark message board at betterinthedark.proboards105.com. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley. 
Better in the Dark is a Conspiracy Productions presentation. All material copyright, Thomas T.J. and Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember to never leave home without your smoking hot bodyguard if you happen to be a hyper-intelligent, quirky, genius type of character. <laughs>